Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I was in the darkest spot I've ever been. It was the sight he had a leg on top of my head. People say to me, no, I don't miss it at all. I'm like, okay, you're either very lucky or are you really being honest yourself? It's just a government again, similar to kind of the, the housing crisis. Like the roads are a disgrace. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Do you know, there's an expression I never understood when they used to say it's a right pea super out there. Pea soup is green. However, it is right pea super out there. You can't see a thing. It's really foggy this morning, so be careful out there. If you have fog lights, use them. Uh, Passage to Cove Ferry is running we're told. Thanks to Rose for letting us know that. Uh, Ferry is running down the harbour but be careful on the roads because it is very, very foggy out there this morning. Much foggier than when it was coming in a couple of hours ago. It's got really, really thick since. Hopefully it'll lift and we might see some of that sunshine we were getting promised for the last couple of days. It was beautiful on Saturday. Yesterday was disappointing. Well, we're told there's a couple of days of uh, warm weather ahead of us before before it breaks. Good morning to you. Um, how do I start? You know, since Friday night at whatever time that announcement was made in Kilkenny, I don't know what time it was. I've forgotten what time it was. I have had literally hundreds, I mean hundreds, of messages and emails and calls and social media posts and social media comments and and I couldn't possibly dream of trying to um, respond to them all so with a bit of luck this I'll just catch everyone who wanted to wish me well at the weekend and wanted to wish us all well because I came away with a nice little trinket and by the way um, my name is on that. It goes on my mantelpiece, but none of it would have been possible without great work from Fergal and Emer throughout the year and from everybody else in the building who helps us put this show together on a day-to-day basis just by telling us things that we might like to talk about. So it was fantastic, a huge honour to be awarded the Speech Broadcaster of the Year Award at IMRO on Friday night, local and regional categories. So thanks, everybody. Simon Ordock, best radio DJ. Well, was it even in question? Uh, the Radiothon crew came in with, with, a, with a gold, which is, that's kind of for all of us. We all kind of, that's, that's, our, that's our baby in the year. And comes up again next May. We won gold for Radiothon. And music station in the year, uh, silver for that, we were delighted. And a bronze for station imaging, which is the bits you hear in between the ads and the songs. Station imaging. Jingles, that's what they used to call them in the, in the old language. Uh, we had a great night. We had a fabulous night. 
And uh, thank you to everyone who has been bombarding us with messages since uh, the very late hours of Saturday night, right through the week, or Friday night, right through the weekend. So that's it. And we go again. And we start again. Uh, And thank you. Monday morning, 10 past nine, here we are. And straight to a story that broke over the weekend, an odd story. Uh, A man's death, man in his 40s, late 40s, believed to be Ukrainian national, died in hospital after being found unconscious near Cork Airport. Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent can help us out with this one. Ralph, good morning. Good morning, PJ. What can you tell us about this man and what happened to him at this stage? Yeah, the alarm was raised just after 3am yesterday, PJ, when this man's body was found very close to a vehicle um, just off the Kinsale Road um, near a business premises and not that far from Cork Airport itself. Um, he was critically injured. Um, both the paramedics and Guardi attended the scene. Um, he received medical treatment at the scene. He was taken by ambulance to Cork University Hospital, where tragically, despite the very best efforts of doctors and nurses, he was later pronounced dead. Now, what was interesting was that, that there were visible injuries to the man at the scene. So Gardy wanted to determine how he possibly sustained those injuries. So there's a full post-mortem examination at Cork University Hospital today. Now, what Gardy are saying officially is that the nature of their investigation will be determined uh, by the results of that post-mortem examination. And privately, they are treating it as suspicious, um, though, as again, that it will be determined later today um, precisely what's involved. Now, um, what they've done is the scene was preserved, so both forensic and um, technical examinations were conducted at the scene to determine was the man injured at the scene, was he injured elsewhere, and specifically the precise nature of the injuries. Um, there's there's various um, theories being examined. Um, was he injured somehow by a vehicle? Was he injured by someone else? Did it happen at the scene? Did it happen again at a different location? So all of those things are going to be um, examined at the moment. What we do know is that the CCTV security camera footage is going to be absolutely crucial in the inquiry. He was some distance from a car, from a stopped car, is that... He was, that's right, PJ. And um, the belief is that he he arrived at the scene in that car. Um, But the key is going to be how he was injured. Now, what my Garda sources are saying is that CCTV security camera footage is going to be central to this inquiry mm-hmm. and that particular area and the various approaches to that area are very very well covered by security camera footage so Gardy are hopeful that that will answer a lot of their questions in terms of the general circumstances mm-hmm. in which the man arrived at the area now as you said he's a 49 year old East European national um, it's believed that he's a Ukrainian national and that he had been in Ireland for several months and that he did arrive here as part of the general um, refugee um, process. Mm. Again, um, Gardy are saying that they won't be identifying him um, for some time because they're working with uh, Ukrainian authorities to trace the man's relatives and family back in Ukraine. That may very well prove problematic if it turns out that this man is from um, part of the Ukraine that's been affected by the, mm-hmm. the fighting uh, as a consequence of the Russian invasion. So again, I mean, the critical part of this is going to be firstly the, the post-mortem examination and, and secondly, a very detailed analysis of the CCTV security camera footage in the area. So 
at this point, I would suggest Ralph foul play not ruled out. It just has to be ruled out before they can go any further with this. Exactly, PJ. They're not ruling anything in. They're not ruling anything out. As I said, they're, they're stressing that the nature of their investigation is going to be determined by the post-mortem examination. Right. However, the fact that the man had visible injuries at the scene, that he was a little distance from this um, vehicle. The vehicle was partly on a grass verge. So again, the precise movements of that vehicle, how did it end up in the actual position it was found, are going to be absolutely central to the guard inquiry. Are you aware, Ralph, was there damage to the car of any kind? Uh, not, not not, to any great extent, PJ, but okay. again, the vehicle is also undergoing a detailed forensic um, and technical examination, I think particularly to see are there any you know, scratches or, or anything that might indicate whether that vehicle had been in contact with this individual um, or, the, or the interior of the car is also being examined to determine, uh, you know, is there any sign of, of blood or anything like that inside the car? Um, again, Gardy, you're saying that th- those tests are going to be crucial to their inquiry as it goes forward but certainly they're looking at this one um, long and hard All right. Mark, um, Ralph thank you very much um, if there is any more we'll know it by the end of the day once that post-mortem is, is carried out if they release any details of what is found thank you Ralph Regal Southern Correspondent of the Irish Independent 0818 96 96 96 another Monday morning and more people talking about the Late Late Show Anne says did you see it on Friday no I didn't Anne unfortunately it was the, it was the country music show on Friday I don't know how it went down I never really watched the country music show on the Late Late Show to be quite honest with you but uh, Anne says I think the problem with the Late Late is that a relative stranger is hosting it in fairness he's been in England too long most people don't know who he is Everyone knew that Pat Kenny and Ryan Torbody from their radio shows, but Patrick's voice hasn't been heard on our airwaves ever, really. I really think he will get better, but I think Brendan O'Connor would have been a better choice. Imagine Brendan doing the toy show. The crack would have been... Yes, he would. Brendan would have been great crack on the toy show, to be fair. To be fair, he would. (laughs) Yes, another Monday morning, another flood of comments over the Late Late Show. The newspapers yesterday with some real juice from what they called the gallery. That's upstairs from the management side. Real juice coming out of there uh, over the weekend. Um, any chance people can stop trying or trying to skip traffic, driving past the queues and then trying to join back in? We're not sitting here for the crack like. <laughs> no. Oh, that's very frustrating. Very frustrating. And please be careful in that fog. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. Something that certainly dominated the second half of our week last week was gambling. When those figures came out from the ESRI, the Social Research Institute, one person in thirty now has a gambling problem. Look around you. I said this on Friday. Look around you. After we talked to Philip and we talked to Owen about their individual experiences. Think of the 30... If you know 30 people, if you work in a business and there's 30 people there or more, if you, you know 30 people in your day-to-day circle, one of them is a problem gambler, almost certainly. It is a massive, massive issue in our society. And these figures came as no surprise to people who really know the problem. They might have come as a shock or a surprise to the rest of us. They probably came as no surprise at all to Tony O'Reilly. Um, Tony is a former branch manager with Unpost, 
in June of 2011, his gambling addiction came to light. It was discovered he had stolen over one and a half million euro from his employers, from his workplace, to fuel his gambling addiction. And Tony spent a number of years in jail as a result of that. Uh, He then changed his life around and he trained as a counsellor and therapist. And now he's a professional gambling addiction counsellor and he wants to use his own experience to help people who struggle with gambling themselves. He's written a book about it and he is um, giving a talk or doing a presentation in a carry tool rather later this month. He joins me uh, to go over, I think we'll start there, Tony, before we talk a bit about your own story. Those numbers that came out last week from the ESRI, they were no surprise to you. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How's things? Yeah, the figures were no surprise to, as you said, to us to be working on the front line for so long. Um, there was a report come out in 2019, and the figures are 10 times higher than that report. I remember when that report came out, we were kind of we were devastated on the front line because we knew it was under underestimated the problem um, in Ireland. And um, it's great. It's great that the report has been done and released so that um, we can get more research around gambling and more funding towards. Um, services and education and awareness because it is a huge problem in Ireland. Yeah, we have, like I've been thinking, if you're in a, a company where there's 30 employees, the chances are <laughs> one of your colleagues has a gambling problem. That's that's as blunt and as real as it is now. Yeah, and, and also, like, there's to say between, just between six, eight to ten people are impacted by someone else's gambling. So even in an office, there might be three or four people out of the 30 who've been impacted yeah. um, by gambling in some shape or form. Um, and like a lot of offices times, you know, in around the, the times where they do the pools for the World Cup or for Cheltenham or for the Grand National, you just don't know who has a problem with it because it's such a hidden hidden problem. Mm. And you don't know someone beside you in the office could be struggling and you're asking them for a fiver for the, the pools for the Grand National. We just don't know. Mm. And the problem is that it's, it's so hidden, it only usually comes to light, as in my case, when there's... Um, no huge re- uh, repercussions from it. One of the reasons it stays hidden is it's it's easy to hide. You know, you can't hang, you can't hide hangovers. You can't really hide the effects of drugs uh, when they get serious. No, you can't. But you can hide this. No, you can't. Exactly. Sorry, I just a slight delay. Yeah, like if someone's drunk or someone has an alcohol problem, you will see it or you'll smell it on them. Um, if someone has a drug problem, you can also see it. But with gambling, you could be sitting at the kitchen table gambling away at a house while having your dinner. It's really, it's that bad. And and we are hearing stories of that in the services. We're hearing about, you know, um, partners ringing up and their husband has just gambled 40,000 euro of the, the money for the mortgage for the new house. Um, you know, these are the stories we're hearing on a day-to-day basis. Now, my story hit the headlines because of the huge figures, but that's relative to how it impacts someone's life. It's, um, it's people who are gambling their pocket money, people who are gambling their social welfare payment, their wages, their savings. It's having a huge impact on on uh, families in Ireland. Well, we talk a little bit about yourself, Tony. You won forty quid, and that's what kicked it all off. Is that how it, how it started? It was a one pound bet in the '98 World Cup. I won forty five pounds, the old Irish punt, and um, yeah, it was how it happened as well. It was the Burke Camp goal in the Argentina Holland quarter final, and. Yeah, we won, for, I suppose, in today's equivalent, probably equivalent to win about €200. Euro. So it was the fact for me at the time it was half a week's wages, but it was also the feeling I got from it. And people were coming up saying, you, you must be really good at this. 
And for someone who never felt he was good enough or good at anything, to get that kind of affirmation of people was huge. And I became nearly addicted as much to that as I did to winning money. Um, so that was a one, yeah, the one pound bet. And it, um, it led to, um, as you said, to huge amounts of money. But I suppose the thing that really, um, and this the thing is so prevalent in society, the thing that really changed for me was online. So I, I would have done normal kind of gambling for about five years. But then when I got an online account in 2003, and again, online was still in very much kind of in, still in this kind of infancy. Um, that meant I can gamble from the comfort of my own bedroom. I could also gamble on credit. It didn't feel like real money. And also the amount of bets started to rise. And it slowly got, it slowly started to get a grip of me. Um, and I was borrowing money to pay off the credit card, to continue to gamble, to try to get back to zero. And then it just, it, it just snowballed into where it ended up. Do you get in? Yeah, is it like a, a hamster in a wheel after a while that you're literally chasing your own tail and, and there's no catching it? It can be, yeah. You're chasing wins. You're chasing that winning feeling or that, that money even element of it. And then when you lose, it nearly flip-flops straight into chasing that losses. And it's always like you talk about hamster wheel. I felt I was on the hamster wheel right up till the moment that the, um, the gambling and the theft came to light. Now, there was so much money that you took from... Your, your workplace, like you must have been afraid of your life that you'd be caught many times. Of course, as I said, it started off slow and again, it, it, it got very large fairly quickly and the stress I was under, and like, it, like I never set out to become a compulsive gambler, I never set out to um, steal money, but just so desperate in that moment, you, you rationalise any decisions you make and it, it really got, it got fairly big fairly quickly. And it's, it, it was always about trying to get back to zero, trying to fix the problem with the problem. Like, I think it's commonly accepted you can't drink yourself sober or drink your way out of um, an alcohol problem. But the gambler believes that he's one bet away from fixing everything. All he has to do is just done what he'd done the last day and maybe put a little bit more money on it and he'll fix it. Right. And that was my mindset. It was just, I can fix this by gambling. I, and I suppose pride, ego and fear probably... Um, stopped me from looking for that help um, to, to, to probably fix the problem properly or to deal with the problem properly. Mm. When you were caught, Tony, what was that moment like? Can you, I, I think you probably have a very clear memory of it, have you? I do. It was actually in a hotel room in Carrick Fergus in a hotel called Dobbins Inn Hotel. Um, it had come to the fact that my family were, were looking for me because they hadn't, they hadn't, I disappeared for a few days. They had feared the worst. When they eventually found me in Carrick Fergus, they um, they got the PSNI involved, and my exp- my first ever experience of talking about it was um, with a PSNI officer with a gun standing at the doorway in the hotel room. I slumped back on the on the bed, and uh, twelve years of everything just came flowing out, and it was a, such a huge relief. Even though I knew the the huge consequence I was going to, have to pay for my um, for my gambling, what I'd done because of my gambling, Dick. The relief that moment was something huge, and that was the start of my recovery. The relief when so when there's a cop at the door. Wow. Yeah, relief, just relief, because you're holding in all this because you can't tell anyone. You're showing a different side of yourself to the world, and carrying that for ten years, like through the the, the different stages of my gambling problem, it was just it was just like a relief just to finally be able to say, yeah, I have a problem, and from there I was able to. Um, get professional help, go to treatment, get professional help, and then start dealing with the problem and start really on an ongoing basis working towards recovery or working in recovery. Did anybody know how bad it was, Tony, other than the people who found no. the problem? 
No, I, I hid it from everyone. And it's it's like I got through a couple of audits, but also I hid it from family members. It was only afterwards people, loved ones said, oh, we, we noticed that you changed, but we put it down to maybe it was the, the stress of a newborn baby or the stress of, a, you know, even the daily stresses. And I suppose that's very commonplace in today's life when we're all kind of struggling with day-to-day stuff, the cost of living, et cetera. But um, no one noticed it until, until afterwards. They said, oh, that's why you were a little bit... Um, a little bit distant on a night out or, you know, you weren't really involved in family social events or mm. you were just seemed like in a world of your own or even while you're watching matches, you were, you were, um, you know, you were getting aggressive at the telly or you were, you know, so everyone's every, afterwards, people said, Oh, we, we noticed something, but we couldn't pinpoint the gambling. And that's why the research is so, so important because it makes it more a kind of out there that, you know, gambling may be one of the things that's going on in the background. You got jail as you expected, um, and was it was it literally as soon as you landed there in a prison cell, you decided I'm going to change here. I'm going to train as a therapist. What what process? How did you arrive at that decision? The process is, I suppose, between the arrest. Uh, well, I went into treatment a couple of weeks after the news came out, and that's when the, the process of becoming a counselor. Uh, really started. I got so much from being helped by professions in Coomber and Atai. I um, and it was something one of the counselors said. He, he just said, "You have a really nice way with people. Would you ever consider being a counselor?" And I'd never thought of it. And I suppose I try. I worked in an area. Part of your rehabilitation is working uh, work kind of program. And I worked in an area where people were, were coming in, like in the detox area. And I saw a lot of people with gambling addiction coming in and I tried to help them settle in and try to help them. And I really enjoyed that aspect. So I then, um, having left from where I stayed on, on a voluntary basis while I was waiting for the, the court case, I went back to train, um, done a foundation course in counseling psychotherapy. Um, then obviously the court case and, and the prison sentence came. But then um, I suppose one person really changed my life would have been um, a woman in the school in Shelton Abbey when I got to the open prison, we applied to get um, TR, a temporary release for one day a week to continue my journey to become a counsellor and she applied with me to try to get funding to fund that um, through different brilliant charities out there. One was St. Vincent the Ball and we, um, I suppose I got out one day a week while I was in prison and uh, done my first year of my degree from um, a prison cell in Shelton Abbey and that was the real big change and then when I got out I continued that journey. Well congratulations. Thanks very much. Yeah. And now you work with Extern. Tell me about Extern. I've, I'm actually doing a little bit of work with Extern, but at the moment I'm doing, uh, the project I'm doing is with the Family Resource Centres National Forum. So um, uh, 22 of the centres around Ireland have uh, counsellors in situ where they help support um, people with a gambling problem or a family member, which is a lot of times they're the ones that, that will contact first. So one of those centres is Carrick Tool, as you mentioned. So we're doing, um, I was there last year and we'd done a kind of a launch of the, the service and over 70 people came to a community event that night. And I thought it was really worthwhile. That's where the idea was born out of. Um, so I suppose part of my project this year is to um, travel to all the FRCs to um, try to shine a light on this in the community. Um, and this report is so, so important for that work as well because it really you know, it gives you a real boost into bringing um, the services that are there into the community, and one of which is, as I say, is right in the doorstep in Cork, in mm-hmm. Carrick Tool. 
you visit schools as well. You talk to youngsters because you, is is that that you can point out to them? Just be careful. You, I know there's a thing you do when you go into a classroom. Does anyone here do the lotto? Does anyone here do a stretch card kind of thing? Because they don't yeah, know what gambling it, is, do they? Some of them. No, well, a, a lot of my work over the last couple of years has been doing um, school talks. Um, like last year, I visited between January and April last year, I visited over fifty schools. And nearly well over 5,000 students got the gambling education. So the part of it is usually TYs are, are um, fifth years or sixth years. So you give the lived experience. So you tell the story through PowerPoint of how it started with a one pound bet and where it ended up. Um, you're not going in scaring them that gambling is this or that. You're just you're helping them to make more informed choices around gambling. Teach them a little bit about the psychology of it, of gambling, the game design a little bit of psychoeducation on gambling as well. Like the workshops are usually two hours long, but generally you hold a student's attention for um, for, for that length of time. And, and partly, like I'll be down in, in um, doing a few of the schools down around Cary too, but also part, I'm doing a lot of schools around Cork over the next couple of months as well um, because I've done a lot of them last year and a lot of them will invite me back to go, to go again this year. You say very clearly, Tony, you're not anti-gambling. No, as I said, there, there is a certain core of people who will enjoy it and it's recreation, and, but it's not those people that, you know, that we're trying, I'm trying, to, I'm anti-gambling harm, I suppose, the best way of putting it. And I think the way it's set up with the lack of legislation, regulation, there are a lot of people and young people who are um, developing problems with this. So I am anti-gambling harm and education awareness is a huge part of, um, you know, showing people of what can happen, can happen, um, but it's also, um, you know, as I said, the report really did highlight the problem in Ireland. So maybe we need to be more robust in, in education awareness, but also um, get more research done to make sure we have the proper services to help people who have, um, you know, have slipped through the cracks of this problem. Is it time to ban advertising, gambling advertising? I do. I think we do need a certain amount of um, um, to ban it, especially during the times when children are exposed to it. Um, that's going to be very difficult online because a lot of the advertisement, you're being bombarded on social media. Um, like as someone who works in the space, obviously I'd be writing a lot of the word gambling a lot of times in emails, etc. And I get bombarded with stuff on social media. So I think if we're doing a watershed ban on gambling um, because you can see gambling ads, um, you know, everywhere. And um, like I went to the cinema last night. Now I know it was an over 18s, um, but it was the first time I ever saw a gambling ad in the cinema. And I just thought, wow, that's that's a first. Um, so, um, but also, like, we don't, we, our children can't be exposed to gambling-related ads and gambling-related promotion, which is the case uh, mm. nowadays. And we also need to look at the gamification of gaming as well. Like a lot of games, like Roblox and Eight Ball Pool. A lot of students in the talks will tell me stories about how there's gambling elements in that. And you have your FIFA, which are loot boxes, yes. and your Grand Theft Autos, which are Diamond Resort Casino there as well. So we need to be. Um, you know, the legislation regulation will have a huge part to play in, in advertisement or, or the lack of mm-hmm. advertisement for gambling. What about the lotto, Tony? It's a simple little thing that so many of us do every so often. Is the lotto dangerous? I think in, in my experience of working with people, uh, the lotto is regulated at the moment. It has been for a while. So there are kind of safeguarding in place. But a lot of times with the lotto, like scratch cards will be very much, um, you'd hear that in, 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 in my work where, the actual the process of scratching the scratch card and the actual that that's more of an immediate um, kind of impact on the person. Where with lottery, you'll generally find that people because it's delayed gratification or there there really no expectations of winning. 
um, it doesn't seem to be as bad as a problem. I'm not saying it's still gambling. People are still impacted by it. But in my service, um, I've only worked with one or two people who have become addicted solely to the lottery. I think a lot of time with, with gambling addiction, I think the lottery can be there as well with it. People, I know in my case that um, when I was trying to win the big money back, when I'd stolen a lot of money, I was trying to get that big win. I did do a lot of lottery at the time. Um, but it is gambling. It needs to be It needs to be regulated in the same way as all other forms of gambling as well. Do you still get an urge now and again, Tony? Yeah, I do. Um, I said I got one, as I suppose, a couple of weeks ago. And it's just... It can pop in and pop out, but sometimes it can be a little stronger. I have a lot of safeguarding in place. I have Gamban on my phone, which means I can't access gambling ads, or sorry, gambling um, sites, even if I want. Um, I have. Um, what did you call my that? Gamban. Is that an app? Gamban. It's you. It's an app. Yeah. So it bans going on to. You can ban yourself from going on to online sites. Um, I have my partner still has control of money. So like every time I get paid, I transfer the money to herself and there's an accountability to, to money and to budget and stuff like that. So I don't have access to, um, but a big part of, of what I do is because I work in the area, I'm constantly being grounded by people's stories. I, I hear like my stories have the big figures, but I hear horror stories each day that remind me of, of what can happen if I have that first bet again. Because even though I'm 12 and a half years in recovery, I'm only, like as, as said in GA means, I'm only you know one minute away from my next bet. And I'm in recovery from it. I have very strict measures and control measures in place to protect myself. But also, I have the experience of working with people whose lives have been absolutely decimated by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it. And decimated is exactly what happens to lives, isn't it, Tony? I mean, you ended up in, you ended up in prison, and I imagine that relationships... Took a hit as well. You, you know, how are things now, for example, with your yeah. loved ones? Yeah, it's it's it, it can be difficult because it did impact a lot of people's lives. So, like, it can. I suppose, I suppose, internally and externally, you can really feel that sense of guilt. Um, but like, I'm one of the lucky few who I wanted lucky few who've come out the far side of it. Like, you know, I've, I I was invited to a school talk eight years ago. It was my first ever school talk, and and in that talk, like the reason why I was invited to speak was one of the students, age nineteen, had taken their own life because of the gambling addiction they developed in school. Wow, you know, and that and that's that's the extreme end of it. Um, you know, I have the big money and the big figures and the relationship, but I can repair those relationships. But for some people, that that can never be the case because it becomes so huge. That's why we this report the other day was it was so so important to really shine a light on this problem mm. because people are losing their lives because of it. Yeah, well, I, I have to say, and I would have talked on this programme regularly enough now about gambling and gambling addiction. Um, and as you know yourself, Gamblers Anonymous do public nights where you can just go in and sit and listen to a meetings. So I've been to some of them. So I have an interest. But the, 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 the numbers that came out the other day were a total eye-opener to me as to how serious this is. Yeah, it, and I think it was an eye-opener to a lot of the public. There was a huge media coverage after, which was just brilliant. Um because, as I said, it was understated and then it was kind of like, oh, like people say, not sure it's, the problem is actually, you know, it's not as bad as it was because the old figure would have been kind of 1%. I think this report shows 3.3%, which is more, it's closer to what we're seeing on the ground. Yeah. And it's so, so far, like, the, you know, Gamblers Anonymous is a great um, service that, you know, invite people in for open nights, give people a sense of it. Um, and some of the work we're doing with the FRCs is having nights like that so people can come in and talk about gambling, talk about their experience, but hear 
how it impacts people. And it's so, so important in these community events that we're talking about. Like the biggest compliment I ever got, and I get it regularly, thankfully enough, is that when I do a school talk, um, I've had parents contact me saying that the student came back and it started a conversation at the dinner table. Now, that's yeah. all I want yes. out of what I do, is to start conversations. The awareness of it. Question coming in the phone here, Tony, for you. Um, you you'd see sometimes an ATM in or near a bookies. Should that be curtailed? I generally, but you'd also see bookies right beside pubs um, because it's it's the, I think it should be because I, I know I live in Waterford and when I go to Tremor, there's beside casinos, there's ATMs outside. Um, I think, I think the accessibility to get money to gamble needs to be looked at as well. But if you look at a lot of the gambling now is done online, um, like I think on, on the report it said online was 60% of the total. So we have access to an ATM in our pocket through Revolut, through our banking, um, you know, 24 hours a day. So I think we, we need we need to look at that side of it as well. You know, we need to look at how to protect ourselves from ourselves when people have a problem with. But the accessibility to gambling, that's why I think the, the figures have gone so high because it's never been easier to place a bet. You can, you know, like it was said in the report by James Brown or after report by James Brown that, you know, 12-year-olds, most 12-year-olds in the country have a casino in their pockets 24 hours a day. Yeah, and we've access to money twenty four hours a day, so it's like you know you, you overlap one another. Um, you know the ATMs are beside the um, the the casinos or the bookies. It, it's never been easier, but yeah. it's never been easier to get it online either. But you make that point actually. I was only sitting on the bus this morning, coming in, reading uh, my interview notes, knowing I'd be talking to you this morning, mm. and thinking to myself that here in my hand, I could drop a month's wages before I reach my destination. Yeah, it's as easy as that, and, wow. and that's why we need the, the regulation and legislation in place, because that's what's happening on a day-to-day basis. People are actually losing their month's wages, losing their houses, losing their, their savings, losing everything online because um, because of the problem that's that's huge. And like, and, and we need to look at, when you look at the advertisement, and we need to have it more balanced, because a lot of the advertising is, when the fun stops, stops or take time to think. Yeah, I know your I, limits. Yeah, I asked that about. It puts all the onus on the individual. Yeah, it puts all the onus on the individual. Yeah, when the fun gambles sensibly, and when the fun stops, stops. Like, but the fun like that's there's a certain amount of victim blaming going on there in those. It puts all the onus on the individual. Um, you know, it puts it says oh, the, it the, the problem is in the individual. But the problem is also in the product. It's in the game design. It's in the the normalisation of gambling in society. So we need to have, um, I suppose, a better kind of safety meshes rather than the ones coming at the end of a gambling ad. Okay. And and lastly, Tony, if anyone listening to us this morning, as a result of our conversation, is worried about a loved one or worried about themselves, first, first port of call, what should it be? Well, I suppose for, for, uh, the, the services down in Cork is um, there's Bernice is um, doing great work down in Carry Tool. So if they contact Bernice in this in the um, in the Carry Tool FRC Family Resource Centre, she'll be able to um, give some advice, but also be able to give support to family member or loved one. Um, I have the numbers if you want me to give them out, or if you want to put them on the show afterwards. Or yeah, we could do that. We can we can if you yeah. if you want to give me a, if there's a, a number you can give yeah. me straight off the top of your head there and I'll write it down. Go ahead. So, so there's two numbers. So it's 021-235-5656. And the mobile number is 087-388-0306. 388-0306. 
and anyone can contact myself either. I'm on all social medias. If anyone um, is struggling, they can contact myself and I can I can um, signpost them to the different services as well. Very good. All right, listen, Tony, thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, there's also gamblersanonymous.ie, of course. That's Tony O'Reilly. Super st- incredible story uh, of helpless addiction to gambling and recovery now and working as a counsellor. Thank you, Tony. That number, if you want to contact anybody, is 21 235 5656 or 087-388-0306 or you can go to Thank you, Tony. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Now, traffic moving slowly in a lot of places this morning and also can we please tell people to put on their lights particularly fog lights if you have them out the N25 people are driving with no lights on on a dirty foggy morning so please put your lights on and be careful visibility very much reduced this morning with that fog down uh, also uh, I'm the wife of a recovering gambler can I just say that what Tony is doing is phenomenal work uh, and I haven't said anything about this this morning or done anything on it or brought anything in with me because I'm just horrified by it all. Um, someone asking here, has Michael D. Higgins, the president, condemned the terrorist attack on Israel? Presidents around the world have condemned the attacks on Israel, but our Irish president has stayed silent. Uh, that's a massive story which was breaking over the weekend as we were getting ourselves back together after a fairly lively night at the awards on Friday. Um, And I know that I have friends, many friends, who would be very staunch supporters of the Palestinian cause, shall we say. Um, And they are horrified by what happened at the weekend. It's it's horrific. It's horrific. There's a young Irish girl missing. She went to a music festival and she's missing now. Uh, Her her poor misfortunate mother has been on one of the news services, one of the American news services, has no idea where she is or that she's even still alive. She went to a music a music festival and what has happened over there at the weekend is just horrific. And even staunch supporters of the Palestinian cause that I would know for many years are horrified by by um by what's happening. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now it was an announcement on Friday morning. Was it Thursday? Uh, back into last week anyway, that 100 jobs are to be lost at a company called ILC Dover. This is a company based in Blarney Business Park and it's a world leader in design of solutions for big pharma. Solutions of all kinds, I suppose you could, you could say. Um, and they are closing and, re- and moving all of their operations to Poland and Mexico. They will close in the first quarter of 2024 and 110 people will lose their jobs as a result. Now, the first thought that went through my head uh, when I heard this at the end of last week would be, good good God, if this spreads across pharma, we are in serious trouble. That just went through my head. Joined by uh, Mick Barry, Solidarity TD for Cork. Uh, North Central. Make it must have gone through your head as well, but there's there's a few things happening since with regard to the workers and their union and their situation with regard to their jobs. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Uh, yes, it did go through my head because um, 
Mexico is a prime spot for U.S. investment since the free trade organizations uh, agreements in the 1990s. And Poland, we think of Poland as being Eastern Europe. But if Europe is moving to the east and you have Ukraine and other countries joining the EU in the next five or ten years, Poland will be at the center of Europe and will be uh, there'll be more investment uh, there uh, as well. Um, obviously, workers have invested in this company. Uh, they've inv- invested their, their labor and their, their lives in it. Um, you've got people here, uh, 110 workers who use the wage the wages from that to feed their families mm-hmm. and to pay mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got a countdown now to a, a closure. The company are saying quarter one of 2024. So whether that's three months or six months needs to be uh, clarified. This is a company that have uh, received grant aid uh, from the state. Um, when there was investment in 2018, 2019, uh, it was announced in the Examiner and other local media that there was significant IDA investment in it. Uh, I would like to find out more about that. And I also would like to, to know what are the wages that are being paid in Poland and Mexico. Now, you, you asked the question there about uh, the situation facing the workers. Well, I was contacted last week by a, two, a couple of workers from the north side of Cork who are working for a company in Dublin called Meritive. Mm-hmm. And Meritive have also announced um, hundreds of redundancies. And an interesting thing that's happening in Meritive is... They used to be um, part of IBM, weren't they, Mick? IBM, yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, and the workers there feel that the 30-day consultation, uh, which uh, Meritive are legally obliged to do, all companies are legally obliged to do with their workforce in a situation like this, the feeling among the Meritive workers was that the consultation was a sham. And they have decided to join a trade union. The union in question is unite the union in order to protect their their interests in this difficult situation. And I think the workers in ILC Dover could do a lot worse than consider taking a, seri- a similar type of step. Uh, I'm writing this afternoon to the company, to ILC Dover, saying that these uh, workers are constituents of mine and I would like to request a face-to-face meeting uh, to discuss their situation. Um, But I think in the meantime, uh, a discussion about organising and unionising among these workers uh, would be a reasonable step to take. One would suggest, though, Mick, that while that's a very noble cause, uh, to unionise and organise, if ILC Dover have made this decision, they have made this decision. Yes, um, and ILC Dover are a powerful force. Uh, there's no uh, question about that. Uh, a big U.S. multinational corporation that have the ability to uh, move their investments and capital uh, around uh, quickly. But any company in a situation like this uh, will prefer to deal with 110 workers as 110 individuals mm. uh, rather than deal with workers uh, as a group collectively. Uh, there is power uh, in collective organization. You're stronger united together than you are on your own. And therefore, it is in the best workers' uh, interests of these workers to organize, to consider the idea of unionization and to speak with one voice in order to be able to mm. get the best possible 
arrangement for themselves, whether that is saving jobs or whether that is securing uh, the best terms, that would remain to be seen. But it is a a logical step to take and something I would encourage the workers to strongly consider. Do do you think that, because we all know, making we've discussed this all too often, while every worker has the right to join a union, that doesn't mean their boss has to identify with or recognise that union. But it's probably about getting the, the best package now, isn't it, really? Well, that was the situation that we had at Debenhams, um, where when Debenhams closed, um, originally there was a discussion about uh, trying to save the jobs, but very quickly people focused on saying, well, look, we're not going to get that in this situation, but let's uh, try and fight for the best possible redundancy package. Um, um, The ILC Dover workers would be in a stronger position, in my opinion, than the Debenhams workers uh, uh, were. um, it, uh, apart from anything else, uh, they're not trying to fight their corner in the middle of a COVID uh, pandemic. Mm. Um, so, um, look, you know, I'm, I'm sure there will be some of the workers listening or some of their friends and relatives uh, listening. Uh, I have a constituency office. If people want to contact me in mm-hmm. confidence, uh, we will give whatever help and advice, whether it's in terms of entitlements or assisting workers, to organise, and in the meantime, uh, I will send that correspondence to the company uh, this afternoon. They actually wrote to me on Friday, PJ, oh. and they, they they told me that uh, as a local Dáil deputy that I was a valued stakeholder. Right. So uh, uh, we'll see uh, how 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 valued I am as a stakeholder. Um, uh, and the, the the correspondence will go. The meeting will be requested, and we will see what ILC Dover have to say in relation to. Uh, meeting with me and and other TDs if 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 they wish to join me uh, to discuss um, the situation facing my constituents here. To go because go back to the point, it's food on the table. Yeah, oh yes, yeah. mortgages no, no. to be paid. We're in a cost of living crisis, and these workers have rights as well. Indeed, they do. No, no, totally with you there on that one. Make at best the at worst the best deal they can possibly get needs to be wrestled out for the what would put the wind through me. Um, and I was saying this on Friday afternoon when there was more detail coming in about this. If that's the shape of things to come for pharma and biofarm and other such things, we could be in a lot of trouble. We need to hope it's not the shape of things to come. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. By the way, there's some more political news has just dropped this morning. Um, Sean Sherlock, Labour TD for Cork East has announced that he is retiring from politics and will not contest the next general election. That's a fairly big political story breaking this morning. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. We'll get to Ian there in just a second. Um, please have consideration for motorbikes. I'll talk to Ian about it in a sec. But we've been asked to repeat the service that's available for gamblers and people affected by gambling 
It's at Carrig Tool, their family resource centre. Their contact is Bernice, and you'll get 085 756 That's 75 uh, four sixes and a two. 085 756 is the mobile number there uh, for Bernice at the Carry Tool Family Resource Centre and we'll podcast that interview with Tony O'Reilly after the show fascinating man an incredible backstory <laughs> what do you do to unwind this is a mad question for a, a, a Monday morning but if you happen to be lucky enough to be off today this is a question directed straight at you how do you unwind or when you come in of an evening after being out at work all day how do you unwind? Emer um, was telling me here, she gets up on a Saturday morning and starts to clean. Now, that might unwind you, Emer, but God almighty woman, that would wind me up no end if I was watching you doing it. Your poor husband, I would lose the will if I saw the missus going around mopping and cleaning on a Saturday morning and we trying to get five minutes, Pete. No, God, how the hell could cleaning possibly help you to unwind? Some people do their garden. Now, Queen Bee does her garden. Or she might do a bit of yoga, but she does her garden. Um, washing. Yes, there is a thing. This is in the Daily Mail. that they, they, they surveyed 2,000 people. eBay did. Surveyed 2,000 people and they found out why, how they unwind. My missus has this thing where the washing machine could be going high all day. And you just know that if it's not nailed down, it will be washed and if you stand around long enough, the clothes will be stripped off your back and they'll be washed. She's winding down. She's winding. <laughs> Mowing the lawn. Yeah, maybe. Painting. Painting? Yeah. Don't know. Hoovering. No. God almighty, no. No, no, no. What do you like to do to unwind? So you come in after a day's work and it's been a long day and a hectic day and a Monday and a dull old day out there what would you do this evening to unwind? I like coffee and a book for half an hour. Or be music, maybe. Um, book, cup of coffee. But it, it, at night before I go to bed, I do like a bit of telly or a book. Um, but a telly, then I'd watch I'd watch police shows or I'd watch medical dramas. Or I, Actually, the last episode of Virgin River is on my list for tonight. Um, I've really enjoyed that and there's a new season coming. That's that's for tonight before I go to bed. I'll unwind with a 40 minutes of Virgin River. What do you do to unwind after a, a hectic or busy day? 083 396 9696. On McBarry and the story of ILC Dover, Tom says, Tom's in Blackpool, he says, not in McBarry's camp with regard to everyone organising and marching, but I will say one thing the government has created a very high cost economy both for workers and for companies. And I hope to God we're not going to see the first of many closures. I really think the TDs need to look at the cost of living, the cost of doing business. They're just letting everything drift and not managing the situation while they get high salaries that they don't really care. Yeah, the cost of doing business, everybody is complaining about the cost of doing business. Yeah. Do you get a release? To come back to this. Some people say, do you get a release of endorphins? When you clean the house, God, you must clean like a whirlwind. No, God, no. Endorphins from cleaning. No, no, no. Can be very therapeutic if you're in a bad mood. 
Really? No, 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 no. Couldn't do that. Now, I do know some. We have, we have a great friend who irons as therapy. Oh, no. No, no, thank you. Now, Ian, sorry to keep you holding there, my man. No, you're okay. Uh, how are you this morning? Very good, sir. Very good. You were going from County Hall to Ballincollig on your motorbike. Yeah. What happened? No. So, okay, so I went from Farnley Road through the County Hall grounds yeah. and came out on the Carrigahan Road, right? So I was driving my son to school. So I drive a, a, a cruiser. It's a Yamaha Dragster, a low-profile bike. Okay. So as we were driving through anyway, I got caught on the ramps. The, under, the undercarriage of the bike got caught on the ramps. I nearly came off the bike. Now, I treated the next two ramps a bit more carefully, you know. Right. Now, it's the bike still scroll coming over them. These are so speed ramps, yeah? These, these are speed ramps. They only put them in at the weekend. Right. Now, the original ones, you can see the markings where the old ones were, and they put new ones in, and they're, they're saying they're 75 mil high, mm. and, they're, and they're street legal. Now, Where, whereabouts? Is, sorry, whereabouts are yeah, these ramps? The ramps in? They're yeah. underground, that are on the county hall where the county hall actually is. Oh, I see. They're so, coming through the county hall car park. Yes, yes, right. yes, yes. Um, so if you come at the, the ramps at any, let's say, over fifteen kilometres an hour, you're going to hit your catalytic converter, the sump of your car, during any of the low, new, the old low profile type cars. Any of the new Jeep type styles are just going to roll over them like as they're, they're not even there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, anyway, I spoke to County Hall this morning, um, uh, one of the assistant managers, and I was told that, yeah, they're legal height. Uh, the only thing they omitted was they never put signs up saying that they had changed the rams from 50 to 75. Why did they raise them anywhere, do you know? They were trying to slow down traffic going through. I see. Would you believe that? Well, that so, it, it would achieve someone that. Someone didn't do the maths on for a motorcycle, basically, for, on a cruiser. For anybody out there, know where a cruiser, a low profile like like a little Harley or, or something like that, going through there. So you have a twenty five thousand euro bike, and no matter what speed you do, slow or fast, you're going to be scraping the, the end of your bike. I see. I see. You know. Ah, uh, now I have you. Now I, I have you know, you. Every, everything is so expensive nowadays. And fixing even my type of bike is not cheap to fix, you know. Mm. Mm. Did you do harm this morning to the bike? Uh, I scraped the frame, I, I think, and the sump of the bike. Oh, God. Where, okay. the, where the oil is kept. So is, um, does that so kind of mean I, you won't be able to go through there anymore now? Um, anybody in a Jeep car is fine. Or anybody in a low-profile car or a sports car, I would suggest you find another route or drive through really, really slowly. Mm. Do you know? Mm. Um, it was ridiculous. I mean, th- I said to you, man, uh, this morning, I said, did you do the maths on this? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's legal and all that. But when w- when we actually went to the ramps and looked at them, I pointed out to him, I said, look, that one is high. That one is low. So there's a gap of about 10 mil high. So it, it went from 75 now to 85 on that panel, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah they it they does. put them down like in panels or blocks. And the next one was five mil high. So and they're all falling the one way. First, I pointed that out. I said, that's grand. I said, it was put on a concrete bed and it's leveled out. I said, then you're 75 mil. But hmm. on tarmac, tarmac's are not even when it's rolled out. It's, we're in a certain tolerance. Um, and when, you, when, you, when they put them down, they just, 
they didn't do the maths on it. Like obviously, obviously the guys put them down. Just look, the seventy-five mil bang. Yeah, get, get over here, you know. Get paid and get out out the door, you know. Oh, I, I have you know what you're saying that they just put them down, but the, the surface under them was yeah, yeah. So they're they're uneven as well as everything else, and very high. Yes. Well, like I mean, if one is showing, if one is showing level, and the next one is showing uh, ten mil higher than that, then they have to be eighty-five. Because yeah. the panel, the panel is is seventy five, and they basically go like that all the way across. And and the one lower near the compound, or the the the, the building of the library, is is quite level. I had no issue with that, you know. Right, right, right. But so I say, if they were put down properly, we might have you might have them working, you know. Yeah, but, but um, for anyone who I, would go through that those grounds now on a low. On a bike or on a, a low car, low bodied car, well, it would not, need to not be only that. Like if you had a child on, you know, these little tiny bikes that you get for your child, your child, and you're you're training them on yes. the road. Yes. If they went over them, the sprocket would get caught on the ramp. Yeah. Like those wheels are only what twelve or thirteen inches. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Do you know? So, like, as I, I spoke to Health and Safety in County Hall this morning, they've passed on my concern to. The next manager, um, I'm having. Well, I'm waiting on them to come back to me. Um, I'm quite sure your readers or your uh, your listeners will uh, have something to say about health and safety and, and and the rest of it. Like, but at the moment, they're they're actually a danger to anyone with a low profile vehicle. You know. All right, Ian. Thank you for that. Um, be wary of that. That the the speed bumps, for want of a better name for them, the speed bumps or the ramps are bigger. In around the county hall than they were last week. If you have a, a low slung car or a low motorbike, you could be in trouble. Thanks to Ian for that. Um, does anybody know what's going on out the N25? Just past Little Island, the traffic is past Little Island on the way into the tunnel. Does anybody know what's wrong? It's nearly at a total standstill. Does anybody? No, they they did more stuff at Dunkettle. Over the weekend, they brought more new lanes in to affect... I was coming back on Saturday from Kilkenny. Fergal and myself were travelling back together and I was going to drop Fergal into town. And before I knew it, I was inside in the tunnel because the new layout, I wasn't quite following it properly. Um, But there's traffic now all the way out to Little Island on the N25 this morning. If anybody knows what's going on, it's nearly at a standstill. Thank you for that. 0818-9696. 96. Yeah, how do you unwind? So you go home this evening and it's been like it's been a Monday. So there's no such thing as a good Monday. Mondays are a pain in the backside. The only thing good about Monday is that it ends. But like how do you unwind when you go home? What will you do? Like when I have all my bits and pieces done and everything read up and prepared for tomorrow and do you know yourself? And the, the, what will you do? I'll probably sit down tonight when they're all gone to bed. And I'll watch that last episode of Virgin River. That's probably what I'll do tonight. Or I could get an ocean and f- finish the book I currently have on my Kindle. But I'd certainly like about 40 minutes to myself, reading or watching a bit of telly or whatever at night. I certainly wouldn't be cleaning, mopping floors. God almighty, no. Painting, no, thank you. Going for a drive. I love to go for a drive. But that nights are gone now, so there's no point. Folding the washing. Folding the washing. No, you see, I have this thing. I believe that stuff like washing and ironing and mopping and sweeping 
and all that kind of stuff, they should stop after seven in the evening. They should stop with dinner. The only last job I would do... Oh, yeah, there's a thing I do to unwind at night. There's a thing I do to unwind at night is I actually clean the kitchen. It, I am cleaning, but I'm cleaning it because I'll be the first one down in the morning. That's the only bit of cleaning I do of an evening before I go to bed. And it could be half 11, it could be quarter past 11, it could be 11 o'clock. I will wipe down, the, wipe down the kitchen surfaces and maybe start the dishwasher or whatever. I, I, I will clean the kitchen before bed. But the idea that you'd go mopping floors, no, 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 no. Chopping herbs is another one they found. They surveyed 2,000 people. eBay did. And they said chopping herbs, 31% of people said they like to chop herbs to wind down. What if you doing an awful lot of chopping and need an awful lot of watering their plants? Which Mother Nature will do for you naturally anyway for the next six months. Making a cup of coffee or tea is a nice way to unwind. Mowing the lawn. Can't it at night, you see, it's dark. What way do you unwind after a long day? Kate loves books. I've travelled all over the world through my reading. And I love documentaries like David Attenborough. And I've taken up swimming in the sea too, and that seems to work. Bernie says journaling is a great way to unwind. You can remember the good things and work out the things that upset you. Something in the writing down of it that seemed to help. That's getting very, that's getting very popular actually, journaling. My missus journals and writes stuff down. Uh, anyone do cleaning late at night or, or in ridiculous early hours of the morning? I know Mags, Mags and Carrie Galine, that regularly tweets us here, used to be up bleaching the toilet bowl at five in the morning. Now, I know not why, but she would. Um, do you get a release? Does, do you find cleaning therapeutic? I remember a fellow ringing me one time. He was former Navy, I think. He was ex-Navy, and he used to iron at night. And he'd iron socks, and he'd iron linen handkerchiefs, and he found it therapeutic. I thought he needed help. There you go. 0818 96 96 96. Let me have your ideas. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. Someone asked before 10 whether the president would be condemning um, what Hamas did at the weekend. He doesn't seem to have. Others have around the world. Um, we're kind of, if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. There's massive affinity with the Palestinian people and what they have been going through. Massive affinity with them uh, here in Ireland. But I know even people who would be very tuned in to the Palestinian cause that I know anyway are horrified by what has happened across the weekend in Israel. Dermot says government buildings should fly neutral flags. Cork City Hall flies the Ukraine flag but doesn't fly the Russian flag. It flies the Pakistan flag inside over the Irish flag. Will they fly, will they, will they fly the Israeli flag now to remain neutral? Oh, I get what you're saying, Dermot. Um, Fiona says, I'm not at all surprised once Palestine elected a terrorist group in Hamas they sealed their own fate. They're backed by Hezbollah. What were they thinking their goal would be? 
the government needs to concentrate on Irish business too, not foreign ones who have no loyalty to here. Thanks to Shona for that. If you have anything you want to say about the situation in Israel that developed over the weekend, then you know where we are, 83 396-96-96. Now, getting stuff in from the UK has been a bit of a nightmare since Brexit. Whether Brexit caused it or not, I don't actually know. But since Brexit, getting stuff in from the UK has been a bit of a nightmare, which is why not a lot of people now buy their Amazon stuff through the German Amazon site. But that's a by-the-by. Anne-Marie Daly, you regularly import stuff for your business uh, from Wear Freedom Dance Wear. And you have this problem with that. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very good. What happens with the parcels? Um, Okay, so the parcels, um, my parcels, um, most of them come in from the UK. And as soon as I order them, they're dispatched and they normally land on this island within 24 hours to 48 hours. Ahead of their arrival, Unpost is notified that my shipment is imminent. And um, I can see that through the tracking. Mm-hmm. The parcel has a label on it. And every single item on that parcel has what is called a HS code. And if a parcel is completely, um, you know, if it completely contains children's dancewear, that's meant to come straight through to me. There is no VAT on children's clothing. Okay. Um, and I know this because I recently had to phone the centre. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um... So they're stopping the parcels, number one. When, now, sometimes they genuinely have to, but they told me um, in the UK that they provide Unpost with all of the information, and I'm quoting here, um, they said Unpost can't be bothered to key those codes into the system, so they stop every single package. So I'll pay, um, so for example... So last the package, week, uh, let, me, let me just track, break, break it down for people. So you order... Um, selection mm-hmm. of dancewear and it comes yeah. through from the supplier and then yes. on post it is meant to be exempt from any VAT but you end up getting a bill for VAT Yes, so uh, for example so I'm looking at um, a bill here every single item there's 16 items of children clothing in, in that particular parcel they have charged me import duty of 17.38 and VAT, which I shouldn't have to pay of 50 euros and 76 Right. Now, I can't I can't have the goods until I pay all that money. It takes them four weeks to reimburse me. 
Um, sometimes Hold on, sorry, I sorry, 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 Henry. So <laughs> you've got to give them now 50-something euro in VAT. Nearly, nearly 70 euros in right. total. Which they will yeah. give you back. No, they'll give me part of it back um, because what I think is happening is on occasion they will also charge me an admin fee. Other times they don't charge me an admin fee. So um, I have no way of knowing. I can't even estimate what the charges will be. Um, And then to add insult to injury, I will pay that fee and it's taking them on average 12 days to get my parcels down the road. It's a two-hour drive from Port Leash to Cork. And I have to wait 12 days. And on one occasion, I contacted them continuously. I said, where is my parcel? And after about two weeks, they admitted, after I paid all of the fees, they returned the lot by mistake to the UK. Um, They wouldn't compensate me. I lost the shipping costs, the fees, you know, to import Mm. the parcel. Um, I had to request that they refund the charges they charged me and of course I couldn't order the stuff until um, my supplier had to unpack the parcel, put everything back on the system, give me a credit note and of course in the meantime if um, sterling fluctuates I'm at a loss there again. Um, and on post they, they, they don't, all they'll do is apologise. They, they don't um, take any ownership for what is essentially a very big mess for small businesses. What I'm confused about here and Marie, it's a very simple thing. Children's clothing is what you're importing. That's yes. that exempt. And surely well, I, the parcel comes yes. with just a description of contents. So whoever it takes yeah. it in knows this is that exempt. So why are we sending the person a bill? Because um, she told me, well, I, when I phoned on post, I was told that um, they can't keep, they, they have to have all of these HS codes. Um, and obviously when Brexit happened, they didn't give themselves enough time in the six months to upload all of these HS codes, they're called. And when I, first of all, she tried to tell me they were wrong. And when I asked her to supply me with the correct codes, she told me she couldn't because they they continuously change. I've gone back to two suppliers in the UK and they don't change. I mean, these people are sending goods all over Europe. And I think they have the biggest problem is really with um, what we're doing here in Ireland. Um, And as I said, you know, it's galling enough that I pay the fee, but the fact that it's taking them 12 days to get it two hours down the road. um, I'm not allowed to go and pick it up because uh, members of the public aren't allowed to go and pick up their own parcels. And to be honest, PJ, I actually think that's because the whole thing is in such a mess. They couldn't find your parcel if they tried. We used to have parcel depots here in the city, didn't we? Well, there was one, there was was one little island, wasn't there? There was. When when it was in Little Island, I would order something from the UK. It would get onto this island again within 24 to 48 hours. And then um, I would get it within, you know, three to five days. Now I'm, I'm waiting an average of 16 days. And because of them sending back a parcel previously, I constantly worry that they're going to do the same thing again. And that was a phenomenal mess when they did that. Because they didn't admit to it for about two weeks. And then, as I said, you know, I meant to go and, and, and buy all these goods again when I actually had to refund people and I had, you know, people had ordered things and then they weren't mm. going to be available. So the whole thing is an enormous mess. Um, and if I can give you another example cool. of what they did recently, um, I actually have these two um, fees right in front of me. I ordered within five days of each other children's, uh, there were little tutus for children. Mm. And... The only difference between the two 
parcels was one had three tutus more than the other. Okay. So, for example, on one, they just charged me VAT and a fee of 350. So my total bill to pay was 30 euros 28. And on the other one, they charged me. So there's only three two twos more. They charged me 3930 sorry 4936 VAT plus 22.99 import duty. Now I don't know where that came from. And an admin fee of 350. So that parcel for three two twos more was 75 85. So there's a difference of 45 euros in the two parcels. Of of which you'll probably get get most of it back. Uh, No, not really, because um, I'm trying to... um, Because um, I was chasing a parcel recently and I phoned customs, I was put through to a man in Dublin and he transferred me directly to a customs official on the floor in the on-post facility. And he went and looked at, at... he asked me for the tracking number. He said, I'm looking at a screen. He said, we redlined your parcel just to, to make sure it was what it was. He said, to be honest, it shouldn't have even come into customs because I can see that was all children's clothing. Um, so I'm waiting then and I'm I'm sending off all my, I have to send documentation back to OnePost. Um, I have to email it back. Um, I can't have an account with them. Um, I have to spend every afternoon going back to one post. I have to email them. They they take about an average four weeks to reimburse me, but I never appear to get back what it's cost me. Do you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's an absolute nightmare. Now, I've spoken to somebody recently who has a small business and they said they're one step away from having to put these charges on to their customers. But if we do that, that's like another form of taxation. And on this island, I think everybody is taxed up to their eyeballs as they are. I mean, for me, PJ, Unpost should not be self-regulating. They can dictate what they do and when they do it, and they don't have any timescales. You know, they tell me, we'll try and get your parcel to you within five days, and that's not good enough. I can get it from the UK within two. The the, the bit that is baffling me here, Anne-Marie, is something that, you know... I'm sorry, but the the dogs in the street know that children's clothing is VAT exempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, and as I said, I've had several phone calls with Unpost and I am talking to the wall. I have actually emailed um, my local um, TD, um, Michael McGrath, my local TD, and I outlined... There's a fellow who should know about VAT, the Minister for Finance, yeah? Yes, um, well, obviously, I, I'm guessing he hasn't come. He said he was sending my email exactly as it was to Unpost. Um, but, you know, I, I do wonder if they're even paying any attention to him. Um, when I phone on post, they continuously blame customs. They say all of this is sitting with customs. And then um, on the two occasions I have spoken to people, um, one on the floor in the unpost facility, the other man was a man in Dublin airport, and both were extremely helpful. And they said the same thing to me. They said, we actually don't have your parcels at all. They go into an unpost facility. They never leave that facility. Um, the administration and the collecting of the fees for everything you get into this country is all done by Unpost. But, PJ, th- there isn't a head of Unpost. There isn't an ombudsman for Unpost. They can charge what they like. They can bully how much they want. And nobody has a leg to stand on. Okay. And they, they should they should not be allowed to self-regulate. There needs to be an ombudsman for Unpost, and they should be tied, you know, to the same rules as anybody else who's dealing with any form of finances or any form of payment. And they need to make their charges very clear to people. 
This is this is fascinating stuff. I have to say, Anne Marie, the, the 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 reality of trying to run a business in this country in 2023. All right, thank you very much for that, Anne Marie Daly. Wear freedom dancewear. Being charged, thanks, Ames. Being charged that on children's clothes, which is VAT exempt, and then she has to get a refund, and it takes weeks, and it's it's just a mess. Thank you very much for that, Anne Marie. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Breaking news, my friends. Uh, that story we covered at the very top of the program with Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent, where Gardaí are treating the death of a man as suspicious. He's forty nine. He's believed to be from Ukraine. He was found in the early hours of Sunday morning near Kinsale Road. Uh, he died subsequently at COH. It's just been announced in the last. 10 minutes that a woman in her 40s was arrested this morning in relation to this investigation. She has been detained under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act and is being questioned or will be questioned at a Garda station in the county. And the investigation continues. That's the latest on that particular story which opened the opinion line this morning. 0818 96 On when another one that dominated us last week for a couple of days was prisoners and prison conditions. It all started when we were chatting with the Irish Prison Reform Trust about conditions at Cork Prison, and it really gained legs, did that conversation. It's great when something like that happens. But we had Mike on the show on Friday, and Mike um, was in prison for a year back in the noughties, and he came out of it, and he put his life back together again. And he uh, went to work with the Civil Defence and uh, went to work with the Irish Red Cross. And he was talking to us about how, you know, prison, the deprivation of your liberty is the worst bit. And back in his time, he had um, he had, had to slop out. You don't have to slop out anymore. Um, but the idea that anyone to, should have to sleep on a mattress on the floor of a cell, Mike said, well, that shouldn't really happen because, look, you've been deprived of your liberty as it is, and that is punishment enough. Tazzy, you heard Mike on the show on Friday. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yes, I did. And it's just such a refreshing thing to be able to hear someone that has turned their life around. Yeah, yeah. He he really um, has done a good job of recovering, hasn't he? He has. And it's just so nice to hear that, you know, for someone to have remorse for their actions when it's affected other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had crimes inflicted on me, you know, guns, knives, all, this, all sorts of things elsewhere in the world, but you know, a lot of them just don't care and they'll carry on doing it, so when something's working where people want to change, yeah, help yeah. them change. I, I asked him on Friday if he'd like 30 seconds for people who might recognise his voice and what he'd like to say directly to them. And he apologised. He said, look, for, for any harm I did, for any damage I caused, for any hurt I caused, I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's amazing that he can do that. I mean, you do remember those voices. Yeah. And I hope those people were listening, and I hope they have it in their heart to forgive them. I know I would yeah. if someone had taken the time to do that for me. Yeah, yeah I know some, some of the people that rang us last week, Tazzy, about prison conditions had no sympathy at all for someone sleeping on the floor of a cell? No, uh, I don't agree with that. No? Um, like I say, I have had guns and knives and all sorts at, at me, and they're still human beings. Yeah, 
Yeah. They still deserve the basic amenities. Um, privileges, different story, but basic amenities, they still deserve that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the prison system like in, in South Africa, Tazzy? Is it, will it, I mean, are prisons notoriously rough places or what's the story over there? Yeah, they are pretty rough. <laughs> um, you can actually see one of them if you on Netflix. There's the the one show about the worst prisons in the world. I can't remember what it's called exactly. Well, the and world's feature, toughest prisons, or something. Yes, like that, yeah. that's yeah. it. That's it. They feature the one prison from Cape Town. Right. Um, now, obviously, that's not entirely across board, but it's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I I think I remember watching it one night briefly and thinking uh, that's not a place you want to end up. No, it's definitely not. And most of those people are repeat offenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, delighted for Mike anyway that he's got his life back in order and he seems to be doing okay. He's back living in Cork now and he's okay. He's out of work at the moment because of his mental health, but he said once he's in good shape again, he'd be back working. So it seems to be his life is an ongoing work in progress, which is good for him. Yeah, right. it's wonderful, and I hope I hope he continues to strive. All right, all right, Tazzy, thank you very much. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, you don't want. I I know the one she's talking about. It's this Netflix series about tough prisons around the world, and there's one in there is one in Cape Town. <laughs> you don't want to end up there, like you don't for anything. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. On what do you do to wind down? I should have asked. Sorry, I should have asked Tassie. What do you do to wind down when when it's been a rough day? Um, crochet, says Jan. Crochet. Wouldn't know what to do or how to do it. Crochet. Or some people do embroidery. Me mother, me mother used to darn socks. Does anybody do that anymore? I don't think they do. Um, darn socks. You have a hole in the sock and you give it to the mother and she'd darn it for you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Seems to be a lot of people who do find cleaning and hoovering and vacuuming and whatever, same thing, I know, therapeutic for a reason. Marta, you're saying that you have been diagnosed with ADHD and that explains a lot for you. Good morning. Yeah, hi. Um, Yeah, so I was officially diagnosed at 32. Right. Um, I went to private route for that and it kind of was very eye-opening. Um, and it explained a lot of, you know, these tendencies that I had to just um, enjoy the cleaning process, particularly, as I said in my text, the hoovering and even washing the dishes. Um, but I have a theory for that because as I became more aware of, you know, um, all the processes behind ADHD, I thought that it might be the sensory deprivation that hoovering gives me. So all that noise, the white noise right. kind of allows me to... I don't know, organize my thoughts um, in a more cohesive manner because sometimes, you know, it's just noise kind of going through my head. Yeah. And would yeah. you clean like at all hours of the day or night? No, that's the one thing I wouldn't do. But I do have, you know, a little two-year-old and I want him to sleep as much as possible. So I'm not just going to like start, you know, rearranging the house and cleaning at five in the morning, for example. Yeah. But yeah, some days like, if it'd be like the most extreme would be like 8 p.m., I might like hoover downstairs while they're going to sleep, that kind okay. of thing. So that's okay. the most extreme, just because I have so much energy. 
and right. I have to like, you know. What about yeah. washing the dishes then? You like that too? Love that. And I know most of my friends probably think I'm nuts. Do you um, I even go to my in-laws sometimes. <laughs> I do. I do have one. Yeah. Yeah. So why, but, do you need um, to yeah. bother, why do you need to bother washing them at all? Just put it into that? If there's like an excess of pots and pans. Okay. You know, I've had some friends say, I do absolutely hate washing the dishes. But I quite enjoy it. So if I, if I have an excess, I will just wash it right there and then. Like there's no, you know, even like at Christmas, if I'm in my in-law's house, I don't mind washing the dishes for them because there's a surplus and I just enjoy it. I, I think, again, it's just a feeling of the warm water and the noise. And I kind of get to, you know, it's kind of zen for me. I just block all the noise out and I, I just go off thinking about, yeah. Are, are you someone, yeah. Marta, who can't leave anything unfinished? I can't, no. It's just like I think it gives me a little bit of anxiety when I do. And I think the ADHD brain is kind of addicted to problem solving. Like I see something that needs to be done mm. and I like to get it out of the way because otherwise it just kind of sits in my mind and it just eats at me throughout the day. <laughs> I, had, I had a colleague here yeah. one time who used to complain about mopping a floor at 11 o'clock at night. I said, why on earth would you mop a floor at 11 o'clock at night because it's dirty yeah. Said, yeah but you have two small children they will be Weetabix <laughs> on that floor by half past seven in the morning yeah. why are you mopping yeah. it <laughs> yeah I suppose it is like the definition of madness I guess at the end of the day and I was only saying this to my partner yesterday mm. I spent today cleaning yesterday um, just to keep up with things and then I said I feel like I've not accomplished a thing because you know it's going to be all back being messy tomorrow with the kids, you know? Yeah. Um, and I suppose those are the joys as well of, you know, having a partner oh, yeah. who has ADHD. Is if, if you're like low energy and more chilled out, we can become quite obnoxious as well <laughs> in that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you can't yeah. leave anything unfinished? No. Do you do you, you have know, a cut down? I know you said you won't go hoovery when the kids are going to sleep, which is perfectly understandable. But do you have a cut off time? Like nothing after 7 p.m. or nothing after 8 p.m.? Mm. Do you ever just sit down and veg in front of the telly? I do. And you know what? I, ha I do have a routine, which I'm very precious about. And by, say, half nine, I am sitting down. Right. And do I you have, have to. No, the thing is, I have the phone. So I'm on that and I'm watching TV at the same time. Ah, yeah. So yeah. That's the, a lot of people do that now. Yeah. Like, but I mean, and, and Good, do you yeah. have, do you have particular television you're drawn to that, I mean, does ADHD, do you, do you watch lively things or do you watch? Um, I like crime shows because again, the suspense, Yeah, yeah. you know, it kind of draws me in a little. If, you know, it's not very interesting, I might just not watch it. I'm watching the Beckhams at the moment. So, oh yeah, you know, it's not quite the same, I haven't seen <laughs> but that I'm curious myself, about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I put down my phone just to watch a bit of a, yeah, a bit of that. Very good, yeah. very good, all right. At least your partner will always be happy that the house will be sparkling clean. <laughs> uh, no, he does his bit, he's very good to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Marta, thank you. 0818969696. There are a lot of people getting diagnosed now with uh, ADHD. We did something on it a couple of months back, uh, the number of people that get diagnosed and then... When they've had their diagnosis, it explains so much about them and changes so much that they actually realise that this is why, I mean, it is. It's because I have ADHD. And now that I know I have it, I can deal with it and work with it and live with it. And 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 life goes a full 360. 0818 96 96 96 on Israel stroke uh, Palestine and the stories breaking from the weekend. 
it was amazing actually when I came home on Saturday evening from from Kilkenny. The Queen Bee rarely, if ever, brings up the news in a conversation. We'd talk about stuff, you know, that, of, that we're interested in, but but she would rarely bring up the news in a conversation. And she said to me, "Have you seen what's happening in Israel?" Because she you know I've been there a couple of times with work. Um, and she said, have you seen what's happening in Israel? And I'd heard something about it on the radio, but it sounded horrifying. She said, it's absolutely awful. Um, and she'd never comment on, on stuff like that around the world. Well, like Afghanistan, the last time when the, the Taliban were causing grief in Afghanistan, she commented on that as well. But I was making the point earlier that if, look, if you want to discuss it, we're happy to discuss it. I, if there's anyone... That we did. I think I remember talking to a fella from Cork uh, during COVID, uh, who was in Jerusalem at the time because Israel were working on the vaccines and they were doing vaccine programs before the rest of the world. And we did have a guy from Cork who Daniel. Daniel that's right, Daniel from Cork, who was in Jerusalem. Uh, I, I I'd love to reach out to him and, and see is he all right at the moment. But but anyway, it's, it's horrifying. Really, really horrifying what's going on out there. And there were people that I would have known over the weekend and looking at their social media profiles and they would have been very that they would have been very um sympathetic to the cause of Palestine. Many people would. But they're horrified what's been happening at the weekend. Ah, good man Fergal. Um Daniel is okay. Uh Daniel Fergal contacted Daniel last night just to see if he was okay. Um and he is. That's good to know. That's good to know. Thank you, Fergal, for that. But uh, Michael, Michael says, as we're well acquainted, I feel I can make this comment without offence. I found your earlier comment on the situation to be one-sided. That's my opinion, and I fully respect yours. Best wishes. And best wishes to you too, Michael, for that. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Small bit of additional sports news. Uh, you've heard me talk uh, on this program to Aideen Mullins and indeed to her mom. Cynthia Aideen is Cork's Muay Thai champion. She has medals and belts and titles out the wazoo at this stage. But she now has become, it was nice to hear, Cynthia contacted me at the weekend to say that young Aideen Mullins is now the WBC under-18 European Muay Thai champion. How cool is that? And Cynthia tells me that the only other Irish female with a WBC belt in any category is Katie Taylor. So there, so well done to young Aideen Mullins and the family. Um, always, always keeping us in touch with her progress. And indeed, thank you for your kind words, Cynthia, about the, the radio awards. Uh, thank you again. And to Uncle Michael, who always keeps in touch about his very, very precious 
uh, niece keeping me up to date with what she's at well done young Aideen Mullins another massive massive um, achievement for her 0818 96 96 96 now this time tomorrow Michael McGrath will be sitting in his office putting the very last touches to his speech as he announces his first budget. I'd completely forgotten this. Tomorrow, when Michael McGrath announces his budget, it'll be the first Fianna Fáil minister since Brian Lenehan to announce a budget. And you'll remember what Brian Lenehan had to bring in uh, all those years ago. Um, so Michael McGrath will be approaching the budget from a totally different economic standpoint. But what can we expect Um We'll have pretty much all of it by tomorrow morning. The newspapers are across it and have been right over the weekend. We can expect, we think, cuts in the universal social charge. We can expect, we think, some income tax changes. But the PRSA might go up early in the new year. Uh, there'll be an increase of about 12 quid a week, we think, on most social welfare payments. Um and other things besides. Let us catch up with a man who's back from travelling that we haven't spoken since he went travelling for a while. Uh, always great to talk to political correspondent of the Irish Sun, Adam Higgins. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much, PJ. Congratulations on your awards. Thank you very much. Now, Adam, it, it is all pretty much out there at this stage. They're, they're telling us that this will be a budget for the ordinary family. They will. And I, and I think that... Um, Families and parents in particular are someone that this this budget will target. So we know that there's going to be a double child welfare payment that's going to be paid out before Christmas. We also know there's going to be further cuts to childcare fees and that we know that this mortgage interest relief scheme will come in at some point after the budget. So I think families in particular are one that we'll be looking at, focusing on this. We know that there's going to be the energy credits. That's confirmed now today that that's going to be 400 euros. So that's... 200 euro less than we got the last year but obviously the bills have changed now they're not as bad as they were last year so to reflect that they're going 400 instead of the 600 that looks like it's going to be paid out in two tranches so two 200 euro energy credits instead of the three we got last year and another measure that focuses specifically towards kids is in education um, Minister Norma Foley is very keen to expand the free school book scheme that was introduced in primary schools this September so next September it looks like that's going to be introduced in secondary schools possibly starting with the, the junior cycle before it's rolled out to the full cycle That'll be welcomed in a, in a, in a lot of households PRSI uh, could increase to pay for keeping the pension age at 66 that, that's, that's just a fact that's a fact. That's been well flagged and it looks like it's going to kick in next year. But to uh, kind of, I suppose, offset that, we know there's a massive 1 billion euro tax package coming in this. So now, how that 1 billion tax package breaks down will be very interesting, in particular for lower income earners, because it looks like they're going to push that band from the 40,000 uh, band that you start getting taxed at, that's going to be pushed up again. So it went up last year, it looks like it's going to go up again this year, possibly to 42, 43,000 euro. And then they're going to tinker a little bit with the USC as well. The aim is to let people, let workers, especially on lower incomes, keep more of the money. So mm. instead of having to pay tax, that they'll get to keep more of their money in their pockets. That's the aim of the, the tax package. Yeah, Brodker has long made the thing. He wants that operated tax not to kick in until you're on 50,000 but they won't we won't we won't get near that tomorrow no, no, we won't. I think that's something that they had been talking about over the entire lifespan of the 
this coalition that they wanted to move that band up further and further. And I think it's probably something you'll see in the next budget um, because the next budget obviously will be the last one before an election. So while we see measures in this one and we see measures in the last one, I think all of these kind of pre, uh, pre-coalition commitments will really be kind of to the fore in the next budget. Next year's budget will be, I think, a little bit more combative because each individual party will want to stake its claim that they have made the promises and delivered on them. I see, I see. Now, um, social welfare, um, at least 12 and possibly 15 euro per week. For, That's right, and it's, yeah. it's, an in, it's an interesting one, this, because we've been covering this for, for the past few weeks, and all the messaging from government um, last weekend and up into the early days of last week was that it would be uh, there's definitely going to be an increase to the core welfare payments. That's the pension, the job seekers, etc. And they said it would probably be in and around 10 to 12 euro. That was the signal we were getting. Then, interestingly, we saw the, the alternative budgets from the other parties, in particular Sinn Féin, who said that they wanted to go, I think it was 15 and 10 for the pension. And now, on the back of that, we're hearing that, oh, well, we might go more than 12. So I wonder, has the Sinn Féin um, alternative pud- budget, has that yeah, influence the decision because the government maybe want to have this over Sinn Féin where we, we gave you more than they would have given you. I wonder is that part of the thinking here. Mm. Gone are the days when we were, had any surprises as such in the Minister's announcement, but do you think there is anything that, that he is holding back, Adam? I think this is an interesting one. You mentioned at the start of this segment that um, this will be Michael McGrath's first budget. And if you listen to, we were at all the press conferences during the week and of course we're all asking budget uh, questions and this sort of stuff. And Leo Varadkar even made a point of saying, well, next week will be the McGrath budget. We've had three years of the Donoghue budget. So it's very much a new man with his hands on the poor strings. And interestingly, last week we had a press conference. Actually, it was the, it was the weekend before last. We uh, Reporters were called outside um, government buildings. It was lashing rain and we're all wondering what we're doing outside here in the rain. And the minister comes out, Minister McGrath, and he's kind of very, very clear message from it was to dampen expectations. He really didn't want people getting excited about the budget. Kind of speculation had come out. He was talking about how it won't go as far as last year. There's not as much money in the kitty, all this sort of stuff. But one of the uh, answers he gave right at the end is I asked him, Minister, you're clearly trying to dampen expectations here. Why? And he said, well, this is going to be my budget. And he says, that he, in his opinion, he would rather people were surprised on budget day than let down by higher expectations. So I wonder, will there be a, a surprise in, in store from Minister McGrath tomorrow? Very interesting one, very interesting. While I have you there, Adam, you've been reporting on uh, something to do, it, it's a, a major development, in fact, clamping down on scam text messages. Now, I got another one only last Friday. But at this stage, you recognise them as a scam. But what, tell me about the Nuisance Communications Industry Task Force. Yes, the NCIT is a new task force put together by Minister uh, Ushin Smith, who is kind of involved in the cybersecurity section of the government. And so he has asked all... He, he called together, he was sick of these messages coming in, sick of complaints coming in about them. So he called all, all the major mobile phone providers into a meeting and asked them, look, well, there must be something we can do with this. Comreg was involved as well. So they formed this task force, the NCIT. Now, the aim of that task force is to, is to clamp down on these text messages and the scam phone calls, which Comreg reckon... Uh, 
cost Irish society 300 million euro a year from people falling victim to these scams and cybersecurity costs and these sort of things. So what they've done is they've put a couple of measures in, in place that they've told us about, things like uh, ID checkers on text messages. They've given on Post and HSE these kind of secure lines so that you'll know if you get something from the HSE, it's definitely from them, this sort of stuff. But interestingly, the minister told me, we've also put something in place that has prevented millions of messages landing in the past couple of months in people's inboxes. And when I asked him what that measure was, he said, Adam, I can't tell you because if I tell you, we don't want the scammers getting wind of what we're doing. So they have this secret tool that they're using to try and block these messages. Because there's still some of them getting through, but clearly there's millions more being stopped. All right, then that's a new one on us, though, the Nuisance Communications Industry Task Force. Adam, thank you very much. We will speak, I imagine, again later in the week once Minister McGrath has revealed his budget. That's Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. There's a thing, I like... What would you like? We'll probably talk about this more tomorrow in the run-up to the budget, which will be announced around lunchtime or early afternoon. Um, What would you like from the budget over the next uh, couple of days? And on Wednesday, um, one of the best ever summaries uh, from the budget of any given year always comes from uh, money doctor John Lowe. Uh, John always puts together a very comprehensive briefing document on the budget. He'll, he'll, he'll have it in my inbox for before midnight on, on, um, on Tuesday night. He always does. But on Wednesday, we'll talk about the implications of the budget. Some will be pleased, some will not. Uh, by the end of the week, we'll know what's in the budget. Tomorrow's just for show. That's true. That's actually very true, says, uh, Kevin says. Yet yeah, we'll get the announcement tomorrow. But the truth is always in the small print. You're absolutely right, Kev. There's always something in the small print that we didn't get on the day. Uh, And sometimes that can go right and sometimes it can go wrong. What about college fees, says uh, Rosaline. There was something in the paper about that this morning. An increase in student grants, Rosaline, if that helps with you, up to um, 300 quid in this academic year and the... Postgrads will get grant support as well. And also, I think I read in one of the Sundays that the registration fee for students will be coming down by a while, by a little bit, I think 500 quid or something. Thank you, Rosaline. 0818969696. Budget is tomorrow lunchtime. We'll be talking about it, I imagine, tomorrow and again on Wednesday. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie. Getting a lot of messages about the traffic delays down near Little Island this morning. There was an incident, we're told, at Bloomfield West. That caused huge delays. It affected Dunkettle from all sides because traffic couldn't go through the tunnel towards Mahan. It also caused problems on Cars Hill and Maryborough Hill and had a knock-on effect at Tivoli for traffic avoiding the tunnel. So even when the incident was cleared, 
it took a couple of hours to return to a normal flow of traffic. That seems to have been it this morning. It came in from Wayne uh, to us there. The, the incident at Bloom, Bloomfield West and caused mayhem in, in all directions. Thank you for that. We're asking you how you uh, wind down. Um, some people clean and mop. That was that story in the Daily Mail where uh, eBay did a survey of 2,000 people to find out how you wind down. A number of people seem to wind down through cleaning. is actually just a small little bit frightening. However, I'll come back to it. 0818969696. Now, Appery Nursing Home, Belgooley Nursing Home. Um, we spoke last week to Senator Tim Lombard about a HICWA report into some of these nursing homes run by Appery Living. And then before the development over the weekend, Tim is back again, that so serious are the findings of HICWA that these reports, some of them have been referred to the Gardaí. Good morning, Tim. Yeah, that's the, the rumour that's out there at the moment that there's a potential guard investigation regarding issues pertaining to some of the reports that are out there. Um, look, this report that was published last May, um, 37-page report by HICWA, and in the Belgooli issue, like it outlined real issues regarding financial issues, um, patients' money, actually, to be really honest. Um, also issued things like fire safety, uh, 14 issues regarding fire safety, um, 12 of which were red flagged. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, really significant stuff altogether. And then, of course, we had the management and the staffing issues, which were huge in Belgooli as well. Yeah. So it's a frightening issue. Like if you look up the Apri website, they have 10 complexes. Um, they were corresponding us previously saying they don't own the one in Belgooli, they only operate it. But um, it still is a really significant issue that you potentially have a guard investigation now happening into financial irregularities regarding patients' money. Mm. And that's a really significant issue. The Gardaí issued a statement to the examiner um, in which they said that they were currently carrying out an assessment of the various matters to determine whether an investigation was warranted. A criminal investigation has not commenced at this time. But that confirms yeah, that they have been they have been sent the files and, and it has been referred. Um, and they would also, the HICWA report on Belgooli queried the management of residents' pension money. That's very serious stuff, Tim. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So basically, in a nutshell, the, the residents' pension money is put into a separate account that in just in the Rockdale's hearings, that, that account was supposed to be a closed account for, you know, whatever the residents required. And there was financial irregularities regarding that. And that's why the Garrity Corner now are investigating the, imp- the proposed inappropriate nature of it and mm-hmm. uh, it's really serious and it's confidence it's everything and look it, it reflects poorly in the entire nursing home sector which is really really terrible mm-hmm. to have that there's good there's good nursing homes out there obviously now families are concerned about what is actually happening on the ground mm-hmm. and that is a really significant issue for them and like when you look at what's happened in Belgooli like we're down to 18 patients now the last I spoke to it was 22 yes I have to say the families have banded together. Like, just because your parent might have found another location, you're still a part of the actual team down there regarding making sure the other 18 can find um, a location. Yeah. And I just want to compliment the entire families. Like, just, just because you've found your lovely new spot doesn't mean you're not a part of them. Like, it's a real, real community effort down there at the moment. Yes. And, like, as much as patients have been relocated, unfortunately, they're losing staff as well. 
like mm-hmm. staff did in fuel last week, they're moving on, they're finding other appropriate accommodations and work. So we have an issue there about where this thing's going to go in the next few days regarding staff levels there. Mm-hmm. Now, I do know HICWA and uh, the HSCs, which we give out about them, are all over at the moment, trying to make sure the staff levels are appropriate because we have 18 people down there still that need to find locations and they are really vulnerable, to say the very least. Mm. Now, Apri Living has... 10 operations. Uh, so this is a big, big story, Tim. Yeah, like this is as big as it gets because you're dealing with, you know, people who are vulnerable, people that need quality of care, people that are put into nursing home setting because their families can't cope or need help to ha- have them cope. And the confidence that they want that their loved ones are going to be protected is the most important thing. And now this trust has been broken. Like not only has it been broken financially, but it's been broken with the standard of care too in some locations. Indeed. And Indeed. like very, very rarely have you seen the situation that the Hickwood inspector has been so strong. Like he has moved to Section 51 of the Health Act, which has rarely ever been used before. What's that now? What's that Basically, it gives the power or gives them, basically suspends their license and gives them a, a, a timeline that when, that if, unless they actually get things in order, HSC will come in and take directly over the actual complex. Yeah. And like for that, it is basically the 25th of October. Mm-hmm. Well, and they, and they can come before that. They can go to the courts and take direct control, which is still on the table regarding what the mm-hmm. HSC and HICWA are looking this, at. Is this a first? We've often seen HICWA do, you know, tough, tough reports. They don't hold back when they publish a report, do HICWA. I, I can't ever remember a HICWA report being referred to the Gardaí before, Tim. Certainly not locally, certainly not regularly. Oh, no, this is as rare as it gets. And I think, you know, this is really, really unusual stuff. And, like, HICWA have been really strong here. The HSC have been really good with them as well. And, like, you know, it really casts a complete, um, you know, cloud over the actual private um, care sector regarding nursing homes. And I mm-hmm. think what's going to have to happen here is, and you're going to see Minister Butler probably step into this next few weeks, a complete review of the actual nursing home scheme itself. Mm-hmm. Because... They've been talking about lack of money and everything else. This is not, this is not about lack, lack of money. This is about how you actually put um, a care plan in, together and how you actually run your complex. Mm-hmm. Like they, there was fire issues here, financial irregularities, man, mismanagement of staff, everything. It was a really significant issue what will happen down here. Okay. And the other issue here is you have nine other nursing homes. Like what's going to happen there? Yeah. And like one of them has been in Bantry, there's a rake them, just one in Kerry, a lot of them are on the south side of Ireland. So like what's going to happen to them? And more forward? importantly, if, if they all go the way of Belgooli, what's going to happen to the people who live there? Oh, completely. And like we're at the moment trying to talk to the HSC about a new phase to the Kinsale Hospital that's been actually approved by HICWA. They're now actually trying to find beds and staff there. Like we need to get that open straight away because okay. that's going to be a part of the solution. All right. Okay. We'll we'll follow this one with interest. Certainly. That's thank you, Senator Tim Lombard. Um. So Belgooli Nursing Home is to close now. They're saying at the end of the month. But this Gardaí have confirmed now that they are carrying out an assessment of matters in the referral. So the HICWA report was referred to the guards under powers of the Health Act. The HICWA report was referred to the guards. And they are now determining whether a criminal investigation is required. No criminal investigation has commenced at this time, which is important to say in the interest of fairness. But certainly I've not, and there's Tim Lombard confirming it, I've not seen um, 
A hateful report referred to the guards. Certainly haven't seen it in recent times anyway. 0818 96 96 96 on how do you... Yeah, um, Lily says, I've been watching the series on Beckham. He has OCD and he cleans all the time. It's a great watch. Thank you. Uh, if there's anyone needs winding down anytime and they need their house spotless, can they come to my house? I do struggle, but my low mood is so bad I don't have the energy to even start cleaning the house. Well, that's kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if anybody wants to come and clean the house, you know, feel free. If you want to sort of relax yourself and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 0818 96 96 96. Going back to Mike who was in prison and got out and put his life back in order and to Tazzy, who called me earlier on this morning who uh, expressed her admiration for him Bernie says, fair enough, Mike turned his life around but I still return to the core story that the people in Cork prison sleeping on mattresses well they didn't think of the sleepless nights their victims would have while recovering from the effects of their crimes many of the people in Cork prison are the ones who broke into houses. Thank you, Bernie. 0818969696. Talking last week about insurance, it all rolls in under the cost of doing business, but you'll remember that Michael Donovan from the VFI, from the Castle Inn in town, was talking to me about his huge insurance bill, even though he's only ever had one claim against the business in 100 years. Huge insurance bill. We got a few more calls like that, and then we were contacted by Raynor. Raynor. Now, Raynor, you run uh, a company called RD Canines, drug detection dogs. You have two dogs, Bear and Eddie, and you can find pretty much anything with Bear and Eddie. New company to me, new name, but you tell me that insurance is getting out of hand, Raynor, and you have had an eye-watering bill. Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks for taking the call. Well, just listening to Michael Lodonovan about his public uh, liability insurance. With what I do with the drug detection dogs, my public and product liability is 4,475 euro for the year compared to uh, the likes of the public and Michael. He's got thousands of people going through his establishment every every yeah. week or every month and for him to just have one claim in 100 years is absolutely fantastic and well fair play to him whereas with me and my dogs they're always worked on a leash they don't come into contact with anybody and um, if there's an indication all they will do is one will sit and stare and not move and the other the other dog I have then he'll just stop stare yeah look back at me as if to say, Daddy, there's something here, I want my ball. I'll talk about Bear and Eddie, your two dogs, in just a minute, but just comparing yeah. the prices there, so Michael said to me his public liability is in or around 10,000, I'm rounding up here now, in yeah. or around 10,000 for, for the pub. And you're saying to me that for your company you're paying four thousand, nearly 4,500. Yeah. So there's no comparison. It's absolutely crazy. And I mean, like I have asked or in, uh, inquired with every insurance company in Ireland. And the minute you mention working dogs, they just go into this little meltdown, panic attack, as if to say, oh, we, we don't do it, we don't do it. Why, Patel? They look at the, the dog, might bite somebody. But like that now, as I said, my dogs are worked on a leash and 
anybody who's ever met the dogs mm-hmm. will tell you that they are the most social, placid, properly trained. Bear came from North Wales and Eddie then came from Leicester, I think. Okay. They're all certified with a UK body. Very, um, very highly trained, specially trained, trained animals. Yeah. The chances yeah. of them nipping at anybody are, are minimal, yeah. I would suggest. But where do you get them insured then? Uh, I actually, um, I was talking to my insurance broker. Can I name them? The broker, by all means. Campion Insurance. Okay, fine. Absolutely amazing people. Okay. I just men- mentioned it to, to Campion, a chap by the name of Kieran. And he said, look, I might have somebody in the UK who I'll talk to later on and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. If he gives you a quote, well and good. If not, we're basically banjaxed. Is the 4,475, is that here in Ireland or would that be a UK quote? That's a UK company. Okay. Yeah. Nobody will touch you here. Nobody will touch me. And I tried insurance companies in Germany and France and apparently we're supposed to be all a member of the EU. Yeah. But when it comes to insuring anything animals, really. Yeah. Dogs really, yeah. It's just a no no. Yeah. all it's crazy. I mean like if if I were to insure my two dogs over in the UK, I'm looking at about four or five hundred quid. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't believe what you just said. So if yep. you were to bring Eddie and Bear to the UK and operate your company in the UK, you'd pay how much? Oh four or five hundred quid. About four or five hundred quid. But yep. the same two dogs in yep. Ireland Insuring them in the UK. Ten times more. That makes even less sense. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And I actually contacted, I bumped into a minister one day, Mm -hmm. and I spoke to to him, and I told him what my problem was. Now, this was before I actually got the the insurance for the two boys. He said, what do you want me to do about it? (laughs) I said, well, look, you can talk to the insurance companies, you can actually tell them to, to give me a quote. Mm. The same as a car. I mean, you have more chance of having an accident in a car than getting bitten off one of my two dogs. No, oh, it's the comparison between the two markets is after yeah. knocking me for yeah. six, Raymond. There really has, really yeah. has not been for six. Tell me about Eddie and Bear and the work that they do. Well, Bear came from the same kennels in the UK where I did my training as well, where Revenue get their dogs. Right. I went over for three weeks. 21 days straight training and Bear was coming up to the end of his training so my three weeks with Bear would have been a bonding session as such and um, like that no he wouldn't even listen to me for the first day so the next day then I brought um, a few little lumps of cheese with me and like that no he would go way off up the road or up down the, the, the woods where we used to walk in the morning before we went to work our training and one call, hold out my hand, and he'll be straight back to me. Wow. What can he so, find? Basically everything bar fentanyl, because I haven't got any samples of fentanyl, which is the next big thing. Yes, I think, which will yes, so we're being country. told fentanyl. Yeah. And the only reason, so, the only reason Eddie, and I'm sure, I'm sure Bear as well, but the only reason Eddie can't locate fentanyl is he hasn't yet had a chance to smell it. Exactly. Wow. And if I could get even just the tiniest of samples, I could have... Eddie trained and Bear trained on that within a matter of hours. Wow, wow. And then you hire them out, is it? You rent so them I out? Actually, I'm like their pimp. I go out with them and work the dogs myself. Yes. 
So if I if I had a suspicion, if I had a business and if I had a suspicion that there was being drugs being kept on my premises, I, I would reach out to you and you would bring yeah. the two lads. Yeah. And, and they do they, they work their magic. They do their trick. I mean like Eddie had um three hits in I can't say where of course. for obvious reasons. Within six minutes I think. Crikey. In one premises where I went into. Good lord. It's absolutely amazing. We actually work now in connection with Irish Rail in Kent Station. Uh-huh. I've X amount of hours there every month and only myself and the station manager, Ray Foley, and members of Angarda Sheikhana. They're the only three people or two people outside of myself who know when I'm going to turn up and for how long I'm going to stay. Totally random checks with these with yeah. two wonderful creatures yeah. of yours. Yeah. And the insurance quote is off the scale. But Crippling. Again, bring me back, because every day is a school day on this job. So if you were to put Eddie and Bear into a van, bring them to the UK, transfer your business over there, insure them with the same company as you insure them with now, you'd pay about £500 sterling. Thereabouts, yeah. But here in Ireland, the same two dogs doing the same work, nearly yeah. five grand. We're told about 15, between 15 and 20 euros a day to, to insure the two of them. I don't think we'll beat that one. I really don't think we'll beat that crazy comparison. As you say yourself, DJ, it's every day is a learning day. Reno, my best to you at that wonderful work and those beautiful animals. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon, Chair. Bye now. Yeah, the, the company, if you want to look it up, their workers and they're two gorgeous dogs. Oh my God, they're two beautiful creatures. Bear and Eddie. RD Canines. Thanks, Rainer. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Those of you who know me know that I like to take a bus wherever I am. When I'm on holidays or wherever I am, I like to take the bus because you see a lot on and from the bus. One of the most beautiful bus rides in the world. I I would actually take this trip just for the bus ride, not just to get there. I speak of the bus ride from Alcudia, which you'll know if you've ever been to Mallorca, you'll know Alcudia. From Alcudia out to a place called Puerto Palenza. It's about 15 to 20 minutes on the bus. It is the most beautiful bus ride I think I've ever been on. And it's a bus ride that Alma and Des Murray, you both know very well, because you moved to Puerto Palenza in June. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Peter, you, didn't know you? I, you didn't know I knew that bus ride now, did you? I just, I was actually just sitting here smiling because that's, that is actually our favourite bus journey. It is gorgeous. Yeah, I was beaming here listening to you. You're, you're um, right running along by the sea so. and you're only 20 yards from the sea. It's just, it's just magnificent. Yeah. So you guys are it both... Is. You're both yoga teachers. Well, Des Des took up um, yoga training in lockdown, actually, and um, qualified when he when we were all, I guess, stuck at home. But I qualified as a teacher back in two thousand and eight. Okay. Um. So I'm I'm a little bit longer in the tooth at it now, but um, but he's a brilliant teacher. And. As well, <laughs> they're on the other line. Des, good morning. She's very good. Good morning, <laughs> TJ. You, you, now, you moved from Ballon Temple out to Puerto Palenza. Yeah. What was yeah. The, what was the draw? 
Do you want to take that, Des? Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's a beautiful place anyway for a start, as you observed. Mm. Um, we have a retreat business. Alma has been doing the hard the hard graft on us the last number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, yoga mainly, but yoga and well-being. We both have a passion for well-being. We both fell in love with Polenza and... Um, we were discussing it, I suppose, prior to COVID ever happening, that we should come out here maybe, or wouldn't it be a great experience? And then the popularity of the retreats increased, yet caused a bit of upheaval in the family. So in terms of, you know, Alma back and forth, so we just decided, why not give it a go and see what it's like to live out in a different country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And- you know? Yeah, it is a very quiet place anyway. Even in tourist season, Palenza is quiet. So it, it's it's perfectly suited to retreats, Alma. It is. Well, Pal- well Palenza, it's quite... Well, it, it's it's busy during the summer months, but we can already see it now starting to um, quieten down now. Mm. But it's still... There, there's actually... There's direct flights now from all leading airports. There's actually direct flights from Cork, I think, once or twice a week throughout the year and that was only launched in the last um month or two yeah. but um but we're, we where we're living we're living in the north part of the island but we um hold the retreats um a little further uh, down south in okay. a place known as um, uh, called Calatuent okay and that's that's situated in the Tremontana mountains so you're surrounded by the mountains and the sea it's really beautiful, the mountains you know? are fabulous the mountains are just oh, brilliant yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know when you come over here, you you'll you'll notice the amount of cyclists. It's probably one of the most famous destinations for cycling, um, in the med in Europe, I guess. You know, but um, but like the hope is that we will open up other destinations in the island on the island, I guess. You know, um, but yeah, we're doing well so far. You know, the retreats are going really well. And um, I guess we're coming into kind of the quieter season. We have one on next, this Friday coming actually in Calatuent. And then it quietens down for a little because mm-hmm. um, obviously the weather just dips a little bit. When I say dip now, it, you know, we, we just dipped about There's maybe a bit of a difference degrees. now in the dip out there, <laughs> the dip in that in Temple, yeah. lads. So come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't dip too low, really. I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking out towards, I'm looking out at the water now and it's... um. I'd say we're in mid twenties today. You yeah, know, so we'll take that. We'll take that. Can't complain. How t- you, you've two lads, Archie <laughs> yeah. and Sonny, ten and seven. How are yeah. they settling? They're going to have. They've st- have they started yeah. school yet? They have. They started. Um, they started. We're into our fifth week now. Okay. And it, honestly, that was the biggest uh, worry for us because Archie's ten. And he went to school, and Sonny is seven, and they both went to um, the boys' school in um, St. Anthony's Boys' School in Bannonlock. There wouldn't be much had... Spanish there, like, you know? No, there wouldn't. <laughs> no, there wouldn't. But they both had such a brilliant circle of friends, and the school is brilliant. So that was our main worry, you know, taking them away from mm. their friends. And also, we have put them into the local school here, which is taught in uh, Spanish uh, and Catalan. Right. So, so, you know, Sonny is seven and he said, well, I know Spanish, you know, because he can say hola and um, <laughs> adios. <laughs> but, but 
um, the, the school here have been unbelievably uh, brilliant in terms of support and um, we have a girl that comes here every Monday to do private lessons with them for an hour. Okay. Um, and, and, and so far, you know, the first week down was, you know, you're just meeting them every day, just hoping they'll come out with a smile on their faces. And, and they did. Isn't and that they great? Have. And it's just, it, it has been unbelievable, really. And we were very lucky with the school because um, we were so worried about that. And I, I think that could have been a, the game changer. If they mm. weren't happy we wouldn't, um, you know, I think we'd actually consider going home if it didn't work out, you know. But at those ages, happy. they'll soak up the language like sponges. Oh, unbelievable. What, unbelievable. About, what about yourselves? How's your Spanish or have you got any? Poquito. Des- <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could speak it until I came out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's yeah. a whole lot different when you're being spoken to by a Spanish person, but we're getting by, you know, there's, there's, most people want to learn English, so... Yeah, for the most part, it's quite easy. I imagine, lads, because I know I often talk about you know retiring to the sun at at some point, and Emer here never lets a week go by without saying she'd love to move to Spain and being married to a Spaniard. You can see why she would think that. But lads, it must be much different to being on holidays. An awful lot different. Um, it is. We feel like we're on holidays every day. Oh, and thanks, Alva. That really made my day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, I'm sorry. No. You're all but right. I suppose, you know, um, I guess it, it's be, be with the weather anyway, you do feel like you are on holidays every day, but we are working every day though as well. Mm. But it just makes things easier, you know. It definitely makes things easier. And I think if you're in an area that's that's supportive and we've been very lucky with our neighbours, with the locals, with the school, even with the business, all the locals, if you put in the effort to speak the language, yeah. it opens everything up. And, and there's just more respect, you know, between uh, between yourself as, a, as a, a tourist, I guess, and then the locals. If they see that you're making the effort, um, uh, you know, they're very welcoming and very supportive. But, yeah. you know, Des is being very humble. Des is really good at Spanish now, to be honest. And... He, you, Des took on Duolingo over COVID and kept up a winning streak for a long time. So he's he's quite good. Um, I'm I'm okay. I'm learning. You know, I'm it'll getting there. But it'll, it'll, it'll come. come, it'll come. come. Well, we yeah. wish you we wish you luck. We send you our jealousy. Reviveyourretreats dot com is the company. If anybody wants to book courses oh, or you. book book a retreat with you. Um, not at all jealous. Not at all jealous. Actually <laughs> dripping in green envy here as I talk to you. Alma, Aww. Murray and Des, thank you so much <laughs> and the best of luck for the future and to your two boys, Archie and Sonny. New life in a place called Puerto Palenza in Mallorca. If you've been there, you know just how fantastic it is and just how lucky they are. That's a lovely, as, as the sun breaks a little bit here, nothing like Puerto Palenza. Anyway, that's it for today. Programme edited by uh, Imar O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for your messages which have continued to pile in uh, about the Imro Award. Uh, we're so pleased to, 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 to have had that on, on Friday and the conversation will continue tomorrow morning, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.